0: Welcome to the Self-Care Spotlight, presented by The Journal Deck, a product and brand rooted in self-care and living your truth. Hi, I'm Melissa Cousins, your host and The Journal Deck creator. Self-care might be a trendy word, but it's so much more than a Sunday. It's a lifestyle that can change your life. And in a world where we are more stressed than ever, We have to go deeper than occasional bubble baths and massages. Feel better, do better. This podcast is about getting to the heart of living your most aligned life against the backdrop of everyday life. Energy management, healing, radiance, expansion, self-care elevated through my solo episodes and interviews with inspiring women who are just as likely to meditate as they are to curse. The goal of this podcast is to empower you to unapologetically take up space and make space. And remember, self-care can change the world by changing yours first. Are you ready? It's a simple equation. The more energy you have, the more alive you are. Energy is life, and life is energy. The more energy you have, the more positive and expansive your state of mind is, and the more you thrive. I'll fill you in on a big secret. Energy is everything. Rashri Patel. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Self-Care Spotlight. Today, I have the absolutely epic Rashri Patel of the new book, The Power of Vital Force, Fuel Your Energy, Purpose, and Performance with Ancient Secrets of Breath and Meditation. I just want to start before we get into the interview with Roshri to say that This book has been an absolute game changer for me. I tell this to Raj and I'm telling you now, you want this book in your life. It has impacted not only how I go about my personal self-care practices and rituals, but also how I am teaching, how I am showing up in my workshops, in my retreats. I have been so focused on my energy, my energy management, my energy intelligence, increasing my my life force, increasing my energy, that has been my main focus these days, and I have to say that I have never had more people ask me, what are you doing, like, or you look so radiant, or you just seem like you're so in your power right now, and I've never had this many people all at once say things like that. Like I've never seen you so radiant, so in your power. You feel like you're on fire, like in such a good way. And they are absolutely right because I've had this book now for quite a few months. I've been sitting on this gem, just dissecting it, highlighting everything in it, really highly anticipating talking to Rushree that I knew was going to happen in the fall. I've had the advanced copy of the book for a while and it's just... Put me on this path of energy and increasing my energy, aka increasing my life force energy, which is what we talk about today in this book, Vital Force, The Power of Vital Force. So again, get this book. The link will be in the show notes. You're going to absolutely love this conversation. When I say it's game-changing, I think you can tell. I'm not kidding. In my opinion, it has changed my self-care game in such a massive way And at the core of it now, is just, I know that it's all about energy. I know that it's all about, I do these things to increase my energy. Because energy is everything. You will take that away from this book, from this conversation. And truly, this book has the digestible, it's digestible. It is not... Talking about energy in an esoteric way that feels unapproachable or unable to really absorb it or get it. It's very digestible. She has managed to make an esoteric topic feel easy. Like, oh, I get that now on such a different level and in a different way because of the way that she wrote it and the way that she said it and talked about energy. So, I am just massively grateful for that. And I know that you will be too because it can feel overwhelming. Like how do we really grasp this thing called energy which we know is so important. You hear people talk about it all the time that every energy is everything, you know, vibes are everything. We hear it constantly in this community of personal growth and this just brings it to a level that is relatable, And I think you'll find that during this conversation with her, she's very humble and kind, but so, so wise. And yet she's relatable. So you feel that both in this conversation and from this this book. We're talking about vital force and what it is. We're talking about how we've gotten so far away from it. We talk about how you come back to it through the breath through you know it's through the breath it's through meditation it's through everything that this podcast is about self-care she at the end i even ask her what's your favorite breath technique and she gives a very specific one i'm going to put that in the show notes she gives a very simple tip on what you can be doing every single day to increase your life force energy it is so simple you have access to it at all times what else do we talk about? We discuss Shiva and Shakti. So we go in depth with the yin and the yang energy and I really ask her some of the questions I've had on my brain for a while about Shiva and Shakti and really getting into those and understanding them on a deeper level that again is digestible and understandable and doesn't feel so confusing. We also talk about mindfulness but specifically. Western mindfulness, not when what bleh, not mindfulness in its fullest expression, but mindfulness that's kind of been diluted in the West, where we are, and she discusses it as the mindfulness trap in her book, and we go in depth with that because I think it's important for all of us to hear because that word mindfulness also gets thrown around an incredible amount, just like energy does, just like self care does. So it's important, I think, to hear this conversation. She discusses her type of meditation that she prefers, Vedic or transcendental meditation, and she compares it to the mindfulness meditation movement that we have going on that you hear so much about right now. So we go in-depth about that, and she actually talks about why in some cases mindfulness can be a trap and what she means by that. Very fascinating conversation. I conclude the interview or, I guess it's like more of just a conversation, right? With journaling and how she really feels about journaling. Because this podcast is brought to you by the Journal Deck. And I wanted to know from this mindfulness, you know, meditation expert, how does she feel about journaling? There are a couple of instances in the book whenever she men- mentions opening up your journal. So I wanted to know where does journaling fit into the layers of the mind? In the book, she discusses the different levels of the mind like an iceberg. And I wanted to know, like, where is journaling in all of this? Where is journaling in the importance? Because to be honest, we're in our heads so much. I thought, hmm, does she really find value in journaling? Because it does require you on some level to use your thoughts But I think you're going to find her answer in the way that I also describe journaling as conscious journaling really interesting. And that's towards the end. That's one of the last things that I ask her. So with all of that being said, get this book. Digest every single moment of this little more than an hour conversation. I know that it is going to rock your world. Pressing pause for a moment here for an ad break. This is a company called The Ultimate Cuff. If you're wondering, what is that? Well, it's for Apple Watches. This is to make your Apple Watch look stylish and beautiful. Apple Watches, I love mine and I wear it religiously because I personally... I love the feature, this is the self-care spotlight, right? I love the feature on Apple Watches that lets me track my workouts. Even when I take Sage out for a walk, it's as simple as knowing how long did I walk her because I want to know, you know, did I walk 20 minutes? Did I walk 15? Did I actually walk 30 and I just didn't realize it? She's a puppy. I want to make sure that she's getting her adequate exercise. So something as simple as tracking my walk with puppy Sage all the way to tracking my yoga and the, you know, walks I do, whatever it might be, I, as a big advocate of taking space breaks and moving my body, I love my Apple Watch. But my Apple Watch has this big clunky, like, rubber band that gets gross and it gets dirty. The one I have right now, it's this blush color, and it basically doesn't look so blush anymore. It looks pretty dirty because it's picked up all of, you know, the dirt from life. Well, the ultimate cuff is made of metal so these are bands if you would want to call them that but they're metal and they clip into your apple watch and make your outfit and your apple watch look that much more beautiful and stylish so that you're not always looking like you're wearing athletic wear with your apple watches right you get what i'm saying so these are made of metal i personally got the honey in a rose gold beautiful rose gold color And it literally looks like a honeycomb pattern. It's like a nice thick band, but not too thick. Made of a honeycomb pattern. I got it in rose gold. It's called Honey. And then I also got the Mia, which is a really simple band. And I got it in silver. They have tons of different designs in gold, rose gold, silver, even like a black color. Tons of fun designs for you to choose from with thicker bands, thinner bands. And they clip right into the size of your Apple Watches, just like these rubber bands do that you get whenever you buy your Apple Watch. So, I mean, honestly, I wear my Apple Watch so much that I wish that I got my tattoo on my right wrist (laughs) because my watch is constantly covering my tattoo on my left wrist. That's how much I love my Apple Watch. But can't lie it would be a lot better if my apple watch were a little bit more stylish and that's exactly what the ultimate Cuff is doing to make you feel more beautiful even as you might be like rocking it out and doing like a workout you could have this beautiful watch on right so a little bit about the creator her name is Anne, and her and her husband started this company called the ultimate cuff she was born and raised like me in pittsburgh she's a mom she's got two kids she's got four dogs woman after my own heart. She told me she loves yoga. She loves white wine, skiing, Pilates. So with that being said, what do I got here for you? Well, of course I got something here for you. So we're moving into holiday season, right? We're going to start thinking about things that we want or that we want to buy for other people. I've got a discount for you, of course. So Anna was kind enough to offer a discount code of 20% off your Ultimate Cuffs. So if you use the discount code ALYSSA20, that's A-L-Y-S-S-A 20, you will get 20% off your Ultimate Cuffs. Again, that's ALYSSA20 for 20% off at ultimatecuff.com. One more time, ALYSSA20 for 20% off at theultimatecuff.com. Just to like put this all in frame for you, She's so awesome and so humble that she literally said, if you ever come to California, you can come stay in my house. I mean, honestly, I was like, oh, wow, okay. (laughs) Because I was nervous to get on the phone with this woman because she is really sought after in this spiritual community. And wow, what a humble, kind human who is also chock full of wisdom. So with all of that being said, I give you Rajshree Patel, my next guest here on the Self-Care Spotlight. Let's go right into her official bio so that you can learn more about her. My guest today is Rajshree Patel. She is a mind and meditation expert. She has taught hundreds of thousands of people in more than 35 countries the power of meditation, mindfulness, breathwork, and other ancient tools to access the innate source of energy, creativity, and fulfillment from within. Over the last three decades, she has established more than 600 meditation centers and trained thousands of instructors with the Art of Living Retreat Centers. Through her unique blend of intuition, humor, and ancient techniques, she has guided government leaders, families, Oscar-winning filmmakers, Fortune 500 executives, and individuals from all walks of life. If you can't tell, I was a little nervous to talk to Rajshree because she is a woman with a serious resume, but she was absolutely fantastic and kind and humble and so, so wise. Without further ado, here is Rajshree Patel on the Self-Care Spotlight. Honestly, I don't even know where to begin with you, Rashri.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm like, okay, let's do this. I have so many questions.
1: First, to start anywhere.
0: Okay. Uh, oh, I got them. I'm ready to go. So, okay. First off, aside from thank you for being here on the self-care spotlight, thank you for writing this book. It in my opinion and my humble opinion is really game changing. And I believe that everyone should have to read this book. And I'm not just trying to say that because you're a guest on the show. When I got the email about your pitch to be on the podcast, I read through the bio and the topic of the book. And it intrigued me so much. And I, but I also was hesitant because there's so many books in this spiritual self-help personal development sphere, as I'm sure you're well aware. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, like, let's see what this is all about. And I got the book in the mail because I was lucky enough to get it, you know, ahead of time before it comes out
1: in Uh October.
0: And... Rajshree, I started reading it, and I just highlighted everything. (laughs) (laughs) I was highlighting everything. I feel that it's game-changing. It has helped me as a yoga teacher, as a human being, just to understand and appreciate the mind, the body, and the breath, and the connection of all of them with our energy in such a beautiful, deeper way. And it's just impacted how I want to teach and show up in the world, both for myself and my students, what I bring to the table. Energy for right now for me has been everything since I started reading this book and you just made it so digestible. You made it digestible for people in a way that these ancient topic, you know, topics that were, you're discussing these secrets. They're, they're very easy to understand, so I know that was a very long-winded way of me saying thank you for writing this book.
1: I If I could crawl through the phone, I would and just give you the biggest hug and the kiss. I so appreciate that because, you know, the book isn't out yet, right, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I had internally people read it, and I had a similar thought, meaning when I finished the book, like, wow... We're taking such a big idea and making it so relatable and so everyday. Um, you know, and, and I felt really good about it. And then there's sort of this vacuum that happens between the time you submit the book and the time it comes out, right? In a way, in terms of what is someone that doesn't know you think about the book. So I'm so happy to hear that and, and thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Well, for someone who does
0: not know you personally.
1: I can tell you
0: this is going to wow people like 100%. Don't doubt it at all. Don't doubt That's it. That's great. That's great. I'm so happy to hear that. Yes. So let's just dive right in. Okay. I got you for one hour, so let's do this. <laughs> okay, great. All right. So starting off with you know, the, the book here is there's this big question. You call it the big question. And you say, what is it about ourselves that seems to determine the quality of our lives? And that thing is, of course, the title of this book, The Power of Vital Force. So can we just start there with, in your own words right now, how do you define what is vital force, that, that thing
1: that this whole book is about, what is it? So, <laughs> first of all, I just love the energy and the, the power behind your question between the words and each of the words. So thank you so much. Happy to be here with you. Um, you know, I guess the question is, what isn't vital force? If we look at the way we come into the world as babies, we are Seven pounds of you know bone and blood and water and skin and etc. But hundreds of units of what I call vital force. It's this innate raw potentiality and dynamism, intelligence and dynamism. And no one has ever really taught us that it's something we can access, tap into, connect to. And really up level every aspect of life because everything depends on it. And if I had to like break it down into the most sort of mundane and simplest level, we would call it energy. But really what is energy? Energy is movement. Anything in life that requires any kind of movement needs what we call this vital force or energy. If you want to move your body, if you want to move your mindset from negative to positive, if you want to move your emotion from negative to positive, if you want to shift anything in your life, you need energy. And we rely on this energy from a very mechanical point of view, you know, sugar and caffeine and whatever substance is to keep us moving, but that just keeps us moving. It doesn't give us the vitality, the intelligence, and the access of clarity and efficiency. For me, vital force and resilience are synonymous.
0: Mm. Uh, yes, because when you have that high vital force, you are naturally more resistant, like to life, like everything just flows.
1: Yeah, and things fall off, right? Resilience yeah. is the ability to not be touched by all the stuff that goes on in our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we talk about stress reduction or you wanna talk about insecurity or confidence, what drags us down is all the things that are going on outside. Internally, we don't feel centered or empowered or resilient. And it doesn't fall off. It sticks to us. And the simplest, fastest way to be resilient, to let things fall off, is to up-level vital force or life force. And we're born with it. Like kids, you see. Yes. Yes. They shake everything off. You know, they fight. They yell. I'm not going to be your friend. You're stupid. Whatever. Cry, wail. Next moment, they're back. They're grounded. They're centered. Because it doesn't stick to them. It's only... After the intellect starts to develop, that we start to get caught up in the yada, yada, yada. You see? Right, right. So, this is from your book.
0: This is from the introduction. I want to read this because I think mm-hmm. it describes it so well. You write, What is that something? It's a certain magic quality and indescribable magnetism that we feel in the presence of those who are truly successful inside and out. We might describe it as mojo, chutzpah, or just plain energy. It's the ability to go for it, whatever it might be, without hesitation or doubt, with full clarity and a yes mind. This is not something that comes from outside. It's something that we, you, were born with. Yes. Ah, like I loved again, it was so I in that moment, right in the beginning mojo chutzpah like okay I get it I know exactly what she's talking about just the way you described it like we know when we meet someone I'm thinking of my kundalini uh, instructor that I first ever went to a kundalini training and I met her and I thought what is that woman smoking what is like (laughs) (laughs) she is on something and it was just simply after going through this training, I thought it's, she's literally high on life, on this vital force, on this life energy. She is so tapped into it that she glows from the inside out and she is magnetic and radiant. And I thought, I just want to be that, like that is it. And we, know, we all have met someone like that before. And I thought the way you described it, it
1: instantly clicked. I got it. And and it's the perfect description of high on life. The higher your life force, the higher you're on life. You know, it's it's literal and it's metaphorical. And there is no other way. That is that secret sauce of life that someone who's thriving and someone who's somehow just getting by.
0: Yes. And so many of us feel that way, like we're just getting by and And yet when you read this book, you think, gosh, this just seems so simple. And I know we're going to get into this. Like, well, then why is it – then why are we not, you know, then why are we not all high on life? If it is so simple and it is something we're born with, then what the heck? So let's start then with you and your story because it's, I think, something that's relatable for a lot of people with – the way that you were living your life, as compared to how now you're living your life, as this bombshell, you know, spiritual teacher doing amazing things in the world, you had a very different life. I did. I had a very so,
1: very different life. Can you explain how you discovered vital force? So, I was. Uh, I'm an immigrant. I was living in New York um, since I arrived into this country, and then. I am a lawyer. I graduated law school, and I got a job at the U.S. attorney's office and then later at the LADA's office. I was transferred to Los Angeles, a prosecutor, no less. That's what I was doing. And I wanted to meet people. You know, you're in a new city, a new place. Okay, what to do? So I kind of was going to what I thought was a sitar concert. Ravi Shankar, the musician, I'm sure you've heard of him. He was very famous. He's mm-hmm. passed away. Mm -hmm. I just saw a sign that said, Pandit Ravi Shankar. Thinking it's the musician, I went. I was this super left-brained lawyer living in LA. Everything was based on proof and everything was only what I see, touch, and feel. I hadn't ever really considered this notion of a life and an inner landscape and that maybe what I really want to create and what I really want to do in my life is driven from the inside out. That kind of seemed woo-woo if if I'd even heard about it. And you have to remember this is back in nineteen eighty nine. Nobody had heard of yoga. Right. Yoga was very woo-woo then. If if somebody said yoga, it was like, you know, bed of nails or something. And the only person who vaguely spoke about yoga was jane fonda i don't even know if if anybody's like really aware of it there was no conversation so i certainly wasn't into it though i'm from india it's something that you know it's like folklore people did it then or maybe your great-grandparents do it but it's not something you you do the guru kula
0: am i saying that? yes
1: yes yes and, and it was something you heard about, but I certainly never saw anyone doing yoga or meditation or any of the things, you know? So when I arrived to what I thought was a music concert, I was fortunate. I had enough vital force to be curious and to stay in that moment. I stayed and it was in fact not a music concert, but a, a spiritual master from Bangalore, India And I went through a nine-hour program, which transformed the way I perceived life. It suddenly added a dimension that I hadn't ever considered. Forget about the notion of energy, but just this very simple fact that, wait a minute, there's something within me that is directly impacting what happens outside. And there started the journey of what is that within me? And who am I? It's a conversation that I'd been having probably for a long, long time as a child, as a as a teenager and as a woman growing up, you know, especially growing up with different cultures. Uh, the Indian culture is very, very different from the way I was raised in New York from the age of 11 on. And so there were all kinds of questions in my system about who am I really and what really drives me? But I never looked inward. It was all based on the roles and the responsibilities and the job and the titles. That was my definition, you know. Um, And that course really started a different direction for me to say, wow, there's more to life than what I'm looking at. Right, right. And you said in the book, I love that you said (laughs) your first experience with it was that you felt so productive, But I it's unfortunately or fortunately, that was what moved me. I literally, I went Monday morning to work after the program and I couldn't believe it. Like what took me four hours, let's say, to decipher a case, you know, all the evidence and the witnesses and digesting it and comprehending it and really putting the pieces together of A to B to C suddenly had shifted to one hour. Instead of sitting around in the office till 7 at night to prepare for the next day, I was getting done by 3 o'clock. 5 o'clock came, I could leave the office. I didn't have to arrive at 7 a.m. and leave at 7 at night. And what happened? Mm -hmm. I dialed down the chatter. I I had no idea. Our mind is constantly running with endless amount of self-talk. Criticism, strategizing, analyzing, rethinking, reprocessing, doubting, judging, this constant mental activity. Never did it occur to me that that could even be dialed down, you know, and that if I did dial it down, it would change how effective and productive and clear I was. And that just got me greedy, you know, I, I still hadn't put the pieces together. And the greed was simply, wow, if I can do this in one hour instead of four, just from a nine-hour course, what else could I do if I went on to do more? And then I went to do a silence retreat. And it's there that I really started to connect into this notion of how this vital force is connected to our body, our mind, our emotions, our breath, and how this energy really can transform everything. It is that magical chutzpah, the mojo, the gusto, the, the charm, the thing that says, yes, let's go for it versus "Mm, I'm not sure. You know, let's think about it. Let's see that lukewarm life versus the go life, you know?
0: Yes, absolutely. So those moments that you're in the zone moment, and we all have had that before. We've all felt I am in the zone. Like I, we know how that feels that you're describing. And I actually think it's great that that was the first, one of the first things that hooked you because it's very real, again, relatable that we go, oh, wait a minute, this is going to help me be more productive. And (laughs) it's, you know, that may Mm -hmm. not be the main uh, point per se, but nonetheless, in our Western society, you noticed it right away. Oh, I'm feeling really productive. This is awesome. So can you describe, you talk about in the book the Shiva and the Shakti and the, you know, the big mind versus this energy and how they kind of interplay. And so when you're in the zone, so to speak, I'm going to go within the zone when you're in Mm -hmm. that flow state, I think I have an idea of what's happening between those two masculine feminine aspects. I think I get it. After reading it, I think I got it. But I would love to hear in your author words, what is going on between those two forces that feels like you're in this union of just like, I've got this, let's roll. And you're so productive and you're on fire and everything's flowing. How do you describe that as what the heck is going on, energetically speaking, with the mind and our internal energy?
1: So I I think the, the first thing is to really... Access or become aware that underneath everything we see, touch, and feel is this force, right? We can call it the vital force or the force of intelligence. There's sort of, it's a coin with two sides, right? There's dynamism, this energy, and that energy, that dynamism isn't a mechanical, inanimate thing. It's actually loving, it's a force field, and it has intelligence in it it is creativity itself and when we get into the zone we get out of the mind we get out of the particle of life you know the the solidity of what we see touch and feel and we start to really access in the same moment clarity the intelligence the intuition the insight that tells you where to move when to do what and how to do Along with the energy that gets you there, if you talk to anybody who's who's been in the zone or in the flow, particularly those people who like jump off these, um, I don't know these extreme sports, they'll tell you that it's a moment where thought, action, intuition, and everything in the environment aligns itself. They don't have to do anything. Everything moves in synchronicity and in unison in the moment. That it's happening, and I think that that's what happens in the zone, in the in the flow. We transcend our small identity, and we enter this place of big identity or the big mind, as you said, where there is infinite intelligence, infinite amount of energy, and that energy wants to serve you. You actually start becoming a co-creator. Your intentionality in that moment immediately manifests because you're working. Beyond matter, you're actually in that Shiva Shakti realm. Yes, ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, so how
0: I'm understanding it is, we tap in to this sh- Shakti energy, this the, the energy, this those two pieces that we have the mm, the the intelligence and the energy that we have both at play. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. to specify for everyone listening, Shakti being like this energy and then Shiva being this, this big mind consciousness itself. So that I am understanding when we tap into this Shakti, because that's the thing that can, that's what can move. It's movement. The Shiva cannot, as you said, it's dormant until it's activated. So yes. we tap into this delicious Shakti. And it, that gets that movement going we, and our creativity starts flowing. I imagine it's like we're opening up these channels. That's why they always you know, say the feminine is the receive because we're in that state of now I can, I can receive what the Shiva big mind has to offer with all of those big mind insights. And then the Shakti rises up. It activates the Shiva. And then I imagine <laughs> this is all in my head. I'm imagining this then this Shiva, big mind, all of those insights, the ideas, it's like they just get plucked out of the big mind and we can bring them down. And then you get that manifestation with the Shakti and then bam, that's the union and it's the flow and it's everything happening in that
1: realm, as you said, together. Is that generally it? Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. I mean, I think the the way you said it is, is really clear. You see, if you think of Shakti as movement, right? Yes. Um, it's, it's always moving, it's always flowing, it's creating. In fact, in Vedanta, um, they describe everything that we see, touch, and feel as Shakti. That is the feminine energy. Yes. So everything that you possibly can see in space, including space itself, is this feminine energy. It's creation itself. And under that creation, Is the intelligence from which the creation erupts, right? And so when we tap into that intelligence, what happens is things organize, structure themselves into what we are intending. That's actually what Shakti is. It's constantly moving. The particles restructure, they move to create what we see in front of us, how we perceive. The emotions, the feeling, the thought, everything is movement and everything is Shakti. The only thing is, when that Shakti is low, the downward cycle, the expression is what we consider negative, not working for us. And when that flow is positive, it's, I mean, up, then everything is positive. The creation itself works with you. Is that clear?
0: Yes, it is. And just to be clear for everyone, she just said Vedanta. That is very clearly in the book. If you read it, you'll get it, what it is. It's just for your understanding. It's this text that is, let me, ancient science of the mind, right? Ancient science of mind, the Vedanta.
1: It was written in the Vedas, correct? Correct, it's funny, people don't realize that even yoga, right, it's such a big thing. Yoga and exercise are synonymous. Yoga comes from a system. Right. Uh, uh, of wisdom, you know, of philosophy, Vedanta, or the Vedic system, we can call it that way, which is entirely around how do we excel in life in all the dimensions that we live in. And we live on seven different dimensions of life, and whether that's body, breath, mind, intellect, memory, ego, and then this, this consciousness, the Shiva energy. That science, that system of Vedanta is about enhancing and up-leveling, maximizing all the levels of life mm-hmm. through different tools. And yoga uses the body to calm the mind down, to sharpen the intellect, to bring health in the body as much as the mind, and so on. And you know, there are breath techniques, there's meditation techniques, there's Patanjali, he talks about Patanjali, is a scientist who Uh, speaks about yoga. I I forget exactly the time when he was there, but he is a proponent of of yoga. And so it's a system that is time-tested, thousands of years old, and it really is designed for us as human beings to access the deepest essence of what our potentiality is as much as the surface, meaning succeed in the world, shakti, and succeed in our core, Shiva, our consciousness, intelligence. So with that being said, then
0: if if this has been known, you know, for 5,000 years it was written about, and, you know, you talk about even now we're just doing all of these brain studies and they're looking at things and basically just, you know, you're like, yeah, we knew that 5,000 years ago, but current science is like, oh yeah, this is true. So why then is this science of the mind, Mm -hmm. where did it, uh, I guess in your opinion, like where, where did it go? Why don't we know about it? Why is everyone so stuck in anxiety and on depression medications and you know, you know how it is. I mean, you're here yeah. in the West. I mean, so what? What happened? And I don't like. Why did we self sabotage, or who self sabotaged us along the
1: way? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a big question. I'm not it sure is. That, that that I even have an answer. But but to say that you know, look look what's happening to us today as technology is advancing. We're disconnecting from our core humanity, right? We talk less, we share less, the human emotion gets negotiated less, we boil everything down to a thumb up or a thumb down, you know? If you have to say in person to someone, I don't like what you're wearing, but there's a lot of human engagement that has to happen. You wouldn't be so casual as to just click a button, thumb down, I don't like it, you know? we're losing something. So what happens is I think that life progresses and we kind of get more and more caught in materiality or matter as our identity. And at some level, we start to lose track of the fact that who I am is, yes, this body, yes, the roles and responsibilities and and so on and so forth. But I'm also this whole and perfected essence that is made up of light and tintillating energy and intelligence and that all that i would want and need and seek for is my essence yes. we don't get educated on that anymore right the world is moved towards reading writing and arithmetic what i call matter but what you mentioned earlier gurukula there was a time in all traditions where you learned matter material sciences. But you also simultaneously learned the spirit and how to be happy and how to harness and and do what we have to in order to not get stuck in, in negativity. And slowly over time, things get diluted and lost. Just like today, you know, people are freaked out about artificial intelligence for all kinds of reasons. But one reason being there's a lot of conversation on how much disconnect is there going to be to each other and to our own humanity and from ourselves, and which leads to more depression and anxiety and disengagement and loneliness and, and the crazy violence we see out there. You know, so, I think
0: I just got it on a level of it's just really about the power structure. And if I know that my power comes from within me, then all of those things outside of me, and that's everything from on a, you know, the retail end of things like the consumption all the way to government structures and and understanding power dynamics. Right. I mean, yeah, it seems like it just, that has probably so much, even your title, the power of vital force right there, the power, you have the power. And that's, I think has to be something that it has to do with. And, um, you know, it's, it also, to me, you know, this is called the self-care spotlight, and I feel very de- deeply passionate about the idea that self-care, it's not just a luxury, but that it should be a necessity, and it sounds like to me that this conversation of everything that used to be taught in Gurukula of the understanding the science of the mind and how to be happy, that that just became, oh, that's a luxury. It is not a necessity. Therefore, it got dropped off
1: exactly exactly and and to your point it is not a luxury you know what drives the quality of our life is our inner landscape our mind how to be happy how to figure out the rules of the mind we kind of don't know it we apply all the same rules to every dimension of our life what we do for our body is not what we can do for our mind they're two separate entities they're two mm-hmm. separate faculties that function different from each other and We don't learn that anymore, you know. Um, We're sort of like backwards in in Newtonian physics, really just stuck on what we see outside. And the truth of the matter is how to be happy, how to handle our mind, how does our mind function, what is the way to optimize our our intellect, what is the way to let go of the stuff that we're holding on to our memory is as much a necessity as any other thing in life, if not more. Yes, I
0: agree. I agree. That's why I'm so passionate about, you know, self-care to me. It's, it's not a trendy word. I, I, I sort of despise at this point that people have, it's become so trendy that I feel that I worry it's going to lose the meaning of what it's really about, which I, I think that you would agree. It's, it's, it's very important. So, okay. I have a question about Shiva and Shakti here
1: uh huh
0: i first first off when i read you you know in this book and you said you know that this vital force that you're speaking of and you said it's shakti well i knew that shakti was the feminine principle so i'm sitting here like in my femaleness going yes it's the female. i know what she's talking about so i was that you know it just felt like ugh, yes i i got that on such a deep level and it's i'm such a passionate um yoga teacher, but also I love dance and Mm -hmm. such a movement is everything to me. And I'm all about using the body. And I, you know, before I read the book and everything, this just felt like validation because I've always said, you use the body to get to your mind, to get out of your head. And when I was reading your book, I just was like, I'm sitting here basically like, yes, yes, yes. Like this is so validating. Oh my goodness. Yes. And Yet, I started reading, okay, so I'm on, I was on page 29, and this is, again, great from you. You write, uh, speaking of Shakti and Shiva, they are two sides of the same coin, the feminine and the masculine, the seen and the unseen, the manifested and the unmanifested, the movement and the stillness, the actuality and the potentiality. Okay. I just That sounds so beautiful. <laughs> oh, no. I will read to you your book all day. <laughs> These are your words. So here's where my brain had to break a little bit in a good uh-huh. way. Mm-hmm. When you said here that shakti you said okay shakti feminine scene i got all that okay the scene i've i've heard the feminine is the scene and then when you said it's the manifestation manifestation is obviously the scene that made all sense to me but then whenever i got to the part about movement and stillness Uh okay yin and yang energy you often hear in yoga again i'm a yoga instructor so my brain is going wait a minute she just said the feminine is about movement, but yet they always connect yin yoga with restorative yoga, with being really slow and like a slowing down, a gentleness, not really as much movement as say vinyasa
1: flow yoga. Is- but, but you see, yin yoga, the result is stillness. When you slow down the movement, what do you get? Stillness. Do you you understand what I'm saying? You're 100% spot on. When you do yin yoga, the slow movement, what is it doing? It's up-leveling the Shiva, the stillness side of life. Right. That's why we're saying Shakti. So through slowing down the movement, you're up-leveling the stillness in the mind. Right. So... I guess to me, do you see why
0: my brain is like a little bit, I, I, I actually totally understand that the Shakti is the, is the movement. I get that. Even mm-hmm. whenever I went to do my Kundalini training and they talked about this Kundalini energy, this Shakti that it spirals and moves up the spine and it's, it's movement. I go, I, so I get that. But then I found myself scratching my head. Then why do they describe yin and yang as if the feminine yin, they, the way that it's, I guess, put out there is that it feels like masculine stillness.
1: And yet the feminine is considered the yin principle. Do you see that? Well, I mean? well, I think that the key is what you read in the beginning. You know, Shiva and Shakti, it's like two sides of a coin. Mm-hmm. You can't separate them, really. The moment you create dynamism, when look, people who sit still, let's let's just break it down to on a practical level. Mm-hmm. If we're very, very sedentary, we sit still. what happens? Our emotions become more dense. we become more lethargic, we feel tired, we get more complacent. We don't see the glass half full, we'll see it half empty. Emotions become dense. They move more masculine. When we are light, when our energy levels are high, what what you'll see is when we're dynamic, when we're in motion, then even if things aren't perfect and they're not going great, you'll see that energy is moving and we tend to have a lighter, more positive outlook. There'll be a tendency to say, doesn't matter. I'll get it figured out. Let's just keep going.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: Mm -hmm. the the thing to understand is the moment you're dynamic, you still the mind. You said it yourself in terms of dance and body movement. The moment you move your body, what are you doing? You're shutting down at some level the intellect. And where are you ending up? Into the stillness. Then you end up in the force of the transcendence, that Shiva energy. But how did it begin? In movement, as you move your body, as the music comes through, as the music and the body align themselves, the intellect is getting more and more quiet and it's transcending you into a place of stillness. So movement and stillness are like Shiva, uh, I'm sorry, Shakti and Shiva. It's the same coin, just two sides expressing itself differently.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Yes, I get that. I get that.
0: And also that I think, maybe I'm thinking of yin as from a too boxed in perspective of what yin yoga, it's all still movement. It's just slower movement. Whenever you go to, say, a yin yoga class, it's still movement. It's just slower movement. Correct.
1: But, and it, and it's, the, it's intended to give you yang as an outcome. Mm. Yin shakti movement gives you stillness yang as an outcome so it's yin yoga movement to lead you to stillness then
0: why do they call yang energy active and what's that about
1: because so when you enter stillness. okay so when you enter stillness if you look at a a baby right there is a lot of energy in a child true more than any adult you'll know Mm -hmm. you hear it in the gurgle of their voice in their steadiness of, of their gaze Notice there is stillness in a child, the mind is still, the body is dynamic, is uh, active. Okay. It's not the mind that's active, do you see? Yes. So uh-huh. yang activity means the mind is still, calm, and what erupts then is insight, intuition. That is the state of flow. Now you've merged stillness and movement together. That is the flow. Mm-hmm.
0: Ah, okay. I get it. I've got it. I've got it. Okay. Yes. Right. Cause that goes back to the body mind principle that the body is, is in
1: action. The mind craves stillness. Correct. And we do it the other way around. We overwork our mind and we keep our body stationary. We barely move our fingers, you know, okay. If you're doing exercise and yoga, you're one of the fortunate ones, but most people are sedentary and most people Overwork their mind, they're constantly thinking. Even when we should be sleeping, we're processing, we're not at rest, we're not calm. And it takes a certain amount of energy, yin, shakti, to even allow the mind to settle down. Notice that when you're tired, the mind gets more caught up in more thinking, in more trying to figure it, figuring things out. So you need a certain amount of energy to get to the stillness. Mm-hmm certain amount of movement. I appreciate
0: you explaining that because it was, I see they are, it's like, like you said, they're so intertwined that they really are just like you said, two sides of the same coin. I mean, you can't really, we can talk about them in two, as if they're two separate things, but they really just, one is working for the other one, one breeds the other. And then that folds into the net. Like they just keep interplaying with each other in this beautiful dance so thank you i my brain was just trying to understand that and i
1: appreciate your not not at all i think what you're saying is is spot on if you see the way the book is written it begins with shakti right energy um and talks about the value of it and how it impacts the mind but the very last two chapters or the last part talks about shiva Mm-hmm. Because you can't really separate the two, right? Intelligence gets activated the more energy, more that power that we have. We go into intuitive state, it's the difference between intellect and intelligence. I'm not talking intellect, which is constantly dividing, dissecting, analyzing. That is the faculty of intellect. I'm speaking when I say Shiva, when I say the coin associated so tightly with Shakti, I am talking about intelligence, this innate, intuitive knowingness principle that we're surrounded in just the same way as we're surrounded in in this power, this Shakti, this energy.
0: Right. Okay. So that flows me right into where I know I want to go here. Okay. Speaking of intelligence versus intellect, Mm -hmm. I love the way that you distinguish that. So the mindfulness trap that you discuss. I loved this chapter. I loved this discussion. I I was over here again, just like fist pumping, like, yes, I love this. I get this on such a level and I think it will resonate with so many people. Can so, you can you talk? Yeah, just go. I, I know that you have so much to say about this. Like why? Do so you know,
1: right? I mean, a lot of people, I'm sure, you know a lot of people who've done mindfulness. It's a yes. it's so it's another mainstream. trendy word.
0: It's yes. very trendy. I mean, but it's you talk about it like I love that you said, you know, mindfulness of the west. Let's be clear. You're talking about western mindfulness. You say that it's not really meditation, but it's a really hard way to get to meditation. So can you just riff on that? Because the way you explain why mindfulness, the way we do it in the West, is not working versus a mindful, uh, excuse me, a meditation practice that you believe does work,
1: I thought that was a fantastic chapter. So can you just, just go? Absolutely. So I think the first thing is mindfulness, the way we understand it in the West, or mindfulness of the West, it's a noun. It's actually not a state of mind, right? Awareness or mindfulness is a state of mind and state of mind cannot change through action. So here's the biggest thing. It came into the West maybe 50, 60 years ago People went to monasteries and to the Far East, spent a great deal of time, three months, six months, whatever amount of time in a monastery. And what they did is they picked up a tiny piece around an entire system. Just the way we were talking earlier about Vedanta, uh, Tibetan Buddhism and Buddhism has a system in order to be you know, happy and to the science of mind. And what we did is we picked a simple principle brought it to the West, which actually increases, and there's a lot of science around it, increases gray matter, decision-making, rationale, control. Good, we needed it, it has its own value. However, as a practice of meditation, it is not, because meditation is stillness in the entire mind, the surface, frontal cortex, and the unconscious, the deepest layer of memory, all of it getting rest. It requires left brain and right brain coherence, calmness, if we want to say that. But that's not what happens with mindfulness. You are using more intellect in order to calm the intellect. You're monitoring, you're labeling, you're noticing the thoughts and the activity. And without judgment, Without, you know, labeling it with a, I like it and I don't like it, you're trying to calm yourself down. Well, really, from the time we're two, we're trained in labeling and we're trained in judgment. That is nature of the intellect. That is what it does. Water is liquid. Intellect labels. It judges. It dissects. And one of the requirements of mindfulness is don't judge. Well, how do we do that? If we didn't know, to, if we already knew how to not judge, we wouldn't need to meditate. It asks you to, at some level, focus, to concentrate on something as, you know, ethereal as the breath. We can't barely focus on the book that's in front of us. Our mind runs away. Now, how are we going to focus on the breath? You'll see avid practitioners, after a lot of years, will say, three, four breaths later, I'm lost. And I get frustrated and I get impatient. That's because we're using the intellect to calm down the intellect. And really what I'm saying is shakti, energy, up-leveling your life force is an easier way to meditate. And self-transcending meditations, kind of like TM or Sahaj Samadhi meditation, which is what I teach, which is a mantra-based meditation that doesn't require monitoring, doesn't require labeling, doesn't require focus, doesn't require concentration. What does that do? It levels Shakti and it dips you into Shiva, into consciousness. And so you come out of it very mindful. The result is mindful, not the practice. Yes. Uh,
0: yes, I Oh, I just understood this so much when I read it, and when you wrote, Diana, that the word for meditation it literally translates to no focus. And then, yes. I mean, again, I', I it telling you guys, this book was so game changing, and I am a teacher of yoga, and I still was like, whoa! So. No focus. I love how you broke that down. It's like that the mindfulness of the West has become this about focused attention. But then at the core, dhyana meditation, that word in Sanskrit is about no focus. So Vedic or transcendental
1: meditation is really about no focus attention. It's actually the most beautiful thing that we've totally gotten it upside down. Dhyana is the word, right? For Sanskrit, um, dhyana. In fact, if you even look into Buddhism, they describe it that way. Dhyā means to focus, to engage the intellect. Na is the negation of focus. The negation of engaging the intellect is meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we do the complete opposite. The Western idea of mindfulness Engages the intellect I'm sitting, sitting sitting, I'm talking, 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 I'm thinking, I'm eating that is a label and an activity of the intellect. you are not meditating, you're sort of driving yourself towards the goal, but not getting there
0: yes, and even down to how there's that the the, the they focus so they're all about focus um and it's never worked for me like when I've tried to do okay, I'm just gonna really focus on say like an object or something and I'm going to focus and focus and if my if my if I pull away that I'm going to come back it doesn't work for me it just feels really hard on my brain and I get frustrated but when you gave some examples in the book which listeners you'll see in the book she has great examples even the, the example of hand gazing or looking out at the horizon and noticing how everything around you almost just starts to go fuzzy and it's almost like you're looking through the hand or looking through the sunset. Mm-hmm. That's something mm-hmm. that I've experienced just intuitively on my own. And you feel that, ah, like your brain just cools
1: off. Yeah, well, well the thinking goes down, right? Yes. Uh, we have somewhere between sixty to 80,000 thoughts in a day that is a lot of thinking a lot of memory like the wheels are constantly churning and the practice of mindfulness or the idea of meditation is supposed to be calm down all that thinking that we don't need so then we tap into this flow the intuitive insightful state of knowingness of consciousness and the only way to do that is to quiet those extra thoughts down i mean out of 60, 80,000 thoughts, if we had to write down yesterday's thoughts, we'd barely come up with 100. And most of them are reruns. They're not useful thoughts. It's just the same old thinking. And the moment you let your mind drift, the moment you give permission for the intellect to drift, what are you doing? It'll drift, it'll drift, it'll drift, and then it comes to a stop. Mm-hmm. That is the opposite of what we've been taught, you know? And what we do is we resist it. We go, oh my God, I'm sitting here and I have thoughts. And, and clearly you'll see in the book or when I teach, I'll say, yes, invite them. Like you would invite a, a beloved friend into your, invite them, let them come. It's the mind unwinding. The th- mind only knows one thing, thinking, thinking, and more thinking. If you wind up a key, you you know, a toy, Mm -hmm. you have those monkeys with the symbols, right? With the little wind up key in the back. Your body is the monkey and the mind is the key in the back. If you keep winding the key, when you release it, what's going to happen? It's still the key. It's just going to spin in the opposite direction. Mm. So you're going to, as you unwind the mind, it's going to feel like oh my god there's thoughts and i'm saying let them come look into the horizon look in 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 some of the tools and tips that i'm talking about it is a process of bringing back left and right brain synchronicity there's a calm and we do it naturally innately we just never put it together to say oh let me use it to my advantage right
0: and i thought that it made a lot of sense when you explained it as well this was something that was created for monks sitting in, you know, monasteries, that they're, they're by themselves in the middle of nowhere. They're not talking to anyone. They're not living in regular society, you know, that, and even that you pointed out, and it made me chuckle, someone that's really practicing um, in that way of mindfulness that they actually don't feel warm or energetic, or they seem stoic. And, you know, it's like, you you're like why? Like aren't you supposed to be really like everything is great? Like aren't you so elevated? So why do you come off feeling so almost cold, you know? And it's
1: the way that you wrote that. I underst- I got that because Well, it's we appear regulated, right? And life is not supposed to be regulated. It's to be lived fully. And, and if you really look at the monks, like, okay, I, you know, I spoke to, of the Dalai Lama and, and many of the monks, you'll see there's a joyfulness and a simplicity and ease and a sense of aliveness and vibrancy because they didn't just do this one thing where they sat around monitoring their mind. As I said, there were precepts. There's some chanting. There's a whole system that they follow correct? Uh And that keeps the liveliness. And and really the test of meditation, test of yoga, test of mindfulness for that matter, or any other practice that anybody might be doing is not how contained we are, but really how free are we? Mm. That is the measure of, oh, this is working. Are we, you know, smart and intellectual and clear while we're free and vibrant and innocent are we joyful at the same time that we're able to strategize it it requires both sides see that's what i mean by synchronicity and if you look as children we had a lot of vitality a lot of clarity a lot of energy and as adults we lose that and we become very regulated right and and in many ways mindfulness if we're not careful Regulates us where we get more and more contained. And if someone says, Hey, how are you? Very well, thank you. That is not the point, you know. Yeah, we're so in our
0: intellect. Yes, in that I would call that like to me, I call that like we're in our head, not like the mind. We're like in the head space. That's right. I think of the mind as like the big M versus the head. And I feel we're all stuck in our head, which is like that that first layer of the iceberg you talk about that intellect, which you said, you know, Western mindfulness as it is, it strengthens those aspects of the prefrontal cortex, like the thinking and the analytical and the logical nature. And we're
1: already really good in that department. Like we don't need, that's (laughs) right. We don't want, we want to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because intellect in the end divides only, right? So we do wanna be able to use that when necessary. Like you're gonna balance your checkbook and, yes. and you have to do whatever you have to do, you use it. But we're not just our intellect. There's also the spirit to us, right? The joyful, vibrant, alive, free essence. And if that is also not growing in expression in your daily life, you know. You don't get out of bed with this sense of come on, let's go, let's make it a great day. Versus, okay, today's going to be another good day, and I have this and this to do, and I'm very contained and controlled. That's not enough. It's just not. It's existing. It's not alive. Right.
0: So, guys, what what we're talking here is essentially, you know, this idea that again, we've t- it's not. This is not bashing all mindfulness. This is saying the mindfulness of the West that we've taken, as she said, a piece of it, and not gotten the whole picture. And so when you see people such as the Dalai Lama, who are, who are these amazing people, they're truly practicing the fullest expression of mindfulness, not what we've kind of diluted it down to in the West. So let's be clear about that, just so that everyone's yeah. not like, hey, that's." Re- if you read the book, you will 100% understand that message of what she's getting across, and she does it beautifully. But... I, for one, really want to get myself to a Vedic or transcendental meditation class, and now I need to find I need to find one for sure because i'm I'm just'm I'm feeling so called to it now. Uh, I have a, just a little bit more questions here for you before before I let you go, because I, I have to ask you this, please, because this is you know the self-care spotlight was created because of my product, the journal deck, and uh-huh. I'm a big fan of journaling, but I'm also a big fan of a a way to go about journaling. And it's something that, you know, in my workshops and my retreats now, I always say, again, like use the body, get the energy and you got to get the energy going and then get out your journaling or then go into your meditation, not the other way around. So it's like this conscious journaling, if you will. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, you do talk about the layers of the mind. I know that's, you know, a whole subject in and of itself, the intellect and the pre-conscious and consciousness itself, like all these layers of this iceberg. Where do you see, you know, where does journaling like fit into any of that with the mind for you? Like a, like a really, I'm going to, I don't know how another word to use successful journaling session where you're writing out your thoughts. I'm curious, just, Your thoughts on journaling and where, because it does involve, to me, it involves both the thinking mind and I feel that it connects us to our feelings, which is in the heart space. So I think it acts as a bridge. But Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to your opinion of journaling and where
1: you see it fitting. So I think it's a, what you said is conscious journaling, right? And to your point, you ask people first to use the body, get into the energy you know, move the energy around and then sit to journal, right? That's that's the way you just, just described it. Mm-hmm. So conscious journaling, the way I interpret it, it's a language thing, is I would call it intentionality, meaning when you have moved the energy around, when you have gotten out of the topmost layer of the thinking mind, oh, uh, I'm going to sit down and journal. And what I want for myself tomorrow is that, you know, I get X, Y, Z, whatever it is. That is surface layer thinking. When you're asking the person to journal and as you guide them through your programs, you're telling them move the energy. You're driving out the surface thought from, from the way I see it. And you're getting them settled deeper inward to their feeling state, and further into this intuitive, insightful state. And it is from that place that you're asking them to journal. And that's an eruption of intuition or thought, if you will, rather than thinking about what to think. Do you see the difference? Yes. There's, a, there's We're saying the same thing. That journaling that you're discussing after the movement, after the energy, you're getting it going, and then you settle down You've gotten rid of the surface layer of should be, would be, could be. And you've now given yourself permission to enter a field of all possibilities. Anything's possible. Then journaling is inside rather than outside. Yes. It's, it's intentionality. And in that process of journaling, I think what ends up happening is you invite the good vibe into your life. That's how it works for me. When I make a note, it isn't a thought. It's I've calmed down after my meditation. A thought erupts. An idea erupts. And then I go to journal. I go to write. And what I'm doing is changing the frequency at which I vibrate. And as a result, I invite a lot of positivity towards me. It's like a declaration in the universe into that transcendent Shiva Shakti state. So I think we're saying the same thing. We're just using different words for it. Right. And I've heard a lot of people, you know, you talked about the
0: the subconscious, the cheetah, and you said that this is, you know, we hold our deepest wounds and hurts down there in this deeper layer of our mind. And I hear people all the time say, if they've had a really cathartic journaling session, they'll say, It felt so good to like write that out. And I had all of these, it it felt like I pulled something out from somewhere deep in my mind. And I feel like that's what they're speaking to is that somehow they were able to access that lower, deeper mind and they were able to pull it out, if you will.
1: Yeah. They got out of their own way to let something erupt out so they could dump it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely it's because we you know we hold ourselves in such a there's such a need to and we have to i get it you know we're out there in the world and there's a should and would and could and this is okay this is not okay there's so many fixed beliefs and journaling when it comes from that place you're just reiterating the same thing mm-hmm. but when you move away when you really just journal don't process don't think is this right is this wrong should i say this did i make a spelling mistake you just journal at some point you dive deep into that, that realm of where you might have held on to something that was stuck and it releases and you create this space, this freedom inside of yourself. And that's amazing. That is like, I don't know, it's a gift to me from the universe.
0: Right. And I think any, this goes for any type of quote unquote self-care practice, yoga, meditation, journaling, anything at all, if you come to it from a non Conscious, you know, not with a, a solid intention behind it If you're just doing it for the sake of doing it rather than doing it for the sake of being Yes, then you're completely missing the whole point point. and I fear sometimes that's what we do with self-care because it becomes another to-do list
1: hmm
0: and that drives me, you know, I feel so like oh, we're just we're missing the point if it's this to-do list It's we're forgetting that it's about being Not about doing
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah. And and journaling isn't to be filtered, right? You're just writing. There's no filter process in it. And it's sometimes you start out journaling, the head is involved, as you say, and then at some point it drops away. And then your pen just moves and right. such deep, rich thoughts and ideas and feelings get connected and you find yourself free on the other side somewhere.
0: Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you for that. I was so curious. I had to ask. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay. I have two final questions for you. One of them is actually a journal deck prompt question that I have for you. I'll save that uh-huh. for the end. Um, but since this is the self-care spotlight, I ask every single guest I have on the show this question, and it's quite simple.
1: What does self-care mean to you, Rashri? It means giving myself permission to be who I am. Mm. It really for me means, because you know it's very easy to buy into all the expectations, all the ideas that the world puts on us. And we haven't consciously chosen those ideas. So really, for me, self-care is giving permission to hear the voice that's in me, that's guiding me. And, and we don't often do that because we somehow get caught. Well, if I do this, but then what if? And, and I really think that it's taking the time every day to listen to myself. And so what I do is every morning and every night, no matter what happens, I close my eyes for five minutes. I do, as you say, move the energy around through breath and so on. And then I sit in that stillness to see what comes to me, what am I saying to myself and it's really about building a relationship with myself, you know, Mm -hmm. that for me is the deepest essence of self-care. We have all kinds of relationships to everybody, everyone, everything, including with objects, right? Some things we love, some things we don't, but building a connection, relationship with oneself is something we rarely do and things like journaling or meditation or Quieting down to a place to say, okay, where am I? What was my day? And and I'll just share two concrete tips that that happened for me as part of that self-care. When I go to sleep, always, you know, I, I lie down, I do a certain breathing thing, and my hand goes on my chest, and I sort of say to myself in my head, a day and a life is over. However, this day has been, it's finished. Tomorrow morning. I get a fresh new start, another day, and another life begins. It's that kind of permission that I give to myself. You know, really saying, whatever happened today, it's over. Now I rest. Tomorrow morning I begin a new life and a new day. Anything is possible. That for me is self-care.
0: Beautiful. Mm. So what is something? What's a breathwork technique? that you have some in the book of course what is a breathwork technique that you would love to share with someone listening to this right now whenever they're listening that they could do today that can start to tap in because we know from your book that prana we hear it in yoga all the time prana is the embodiment of this life force vital force energy it's the human embodiment the breath what is a breath work technique that is simple that someone could do today to start to tap into this vital force to increase their natural energy that they have to up-level themselves in that way? What's a simple technique they
1: can do? So the simplest thing I could say is take a breath. Literally, take a breath. You know, first thing in the morning and last thing at bedtime, do 10 long breaths in and out. The key is this, conscious breath, and elongated. In other words, as you know, our body, our breath, and our mind are interconnected. Our emotions are connected to a specific pattern of breathing. And as we get under stress, we drain our energy and our breath gets shorter and shorter. And so what I'm asking the listener to do every single day, doesn't matter for the rest of your life, any way you have to breathe, consciously breathe and breathe longer than your capacity when you wake up and when you go to sleep. You do a multiple of things that way. You, number one, shut down the limbic brain, the processing that was going on at night. You wake up in the morning, you empty out the CO2, you bring in a lot of fresh vital force, and you shut down the mechanism that's draining us, sort of like the tabs that are open on a computer in the background that we're not working on. That's number one. And the last thing at bed, how you enter sleep determines not just the quality of your sleep, but how you wake up the next morning, how connected you feel to yourself. Normally we sleep with, I should have, I could have, I would have. Why did this happen? Why didn't that happen? Is that the other thing? If you journal at night, what I'll say is journal, lie down, do 10 long breaths in and out, and then invite this possibility into your life. A day and a life is over, however it's been. Tomorrow, I get to have a new day and a new life. Anything is possible. Just those 10 breaths will shift the way you connect in the morning to the life around you.
0: What's one of your favorite breath work, specific breath breath work that you love?
1: So what I love is something called Sudarshan Kriya. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a long conversation, but Sudarshan means Proper vision of who one really is, and and what I mean by that is who we are beyond our body and our our um, ideas of ourselves, us as a whole, conscious, vibrant being. Um, and as you do this practice, it, it takes ten minutes. You need a little bit of time to learn it, but it takes ten minutes, or or somewhere between three to ten minutes, and you suddenly discover the stillness in you and you rearrange the center of your identity to be I'm more than what I see touch and feel I am this vibrant scintillating energy and being full of intelligence and love it literally gives the experience of that transcended being versus thought about it so for me that's my favorite practice
0: Yes, I you, and you talk about it in the book.
1: Yes, you, yeah, yeah. You bring you bring that up, and
0: again, guys, this book is chock full of some different examples of breath works and meditation, uh, breath works, and you know different ways that we can, as she calls it, these ancient secrets of breath and meditation, and and how we can start to tap into that shakti, that feminine vital force energy that we've become really disconnected to because we're stuck in our in our head. We're kind of in uh, this this toxic space, and she this book is going to help you to get out of it with amazing knowledge that she drops here and and genuinely digestible tips. So you're gonna really want to get this book. Rushree, last point is my journal deck question for you, which I have a feeling I pulled it and I have a feeling I know how you're gonna answer it based on how you just answered that last question. The question on the prompt card is. Write in your journal today about what does living in alignment look like to you?
1: <laughs> for me, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. Living in alignment is living with my higher self qualities and not my small mind limited beliefs about myself or anybody else's for that matter. So living in, living in alignment is, is a sense of present moment.
0: Hey there, before Rashri tells you about where you can find her free 11-session online course as a bonus valued at $525 about how you can work with this book material in a hands-on way where she's guiding you in this 11-session course, I wanted to pause, not for an ad, but to remind you that if you absolutely loved this episode, which I really think that you probably did. Give me a call. Tell me about it. Don't forget that we now have our very own self care spotlight Google voicemail line where you can call me and tell me all of your feedback, your thoughts, your aha moments. You can call me at 412 218 1229. That number is in the show notes. And again, that is a Google Voice line just for the self care spotlight. I am listening to them directly. Just a heads up that I may or may not use one of your testimonials or your aha thought in an episode, and I will contact you if I decide to do so. So, again, 412 218 1229. What did you love about this conversation with Shri? What lit you up? What made you think? How is this going to change some of your self-care? Give me a call. 412-218-1229.
1: And now back to the show. May I just say one thing? Um, yes. I don't know exactly when you know, the listeners will be listening to, to this podcast, but I would love to make an offer um, to, to the listener. If you go to the thepowerofvitalforce.com um, and you, pre, you just order a book – I have an eleven session online course with lots of tools and techniques to up level this this vital force this life energy, which is it's a you know bonus like consider a oh consider it a gift it's a five hundred and twenty five dollar value I'm guiding the the listeners through tools and wisdoms and techniques different from the book, so they're additional tips so just wow. something, you know, for the listener, they just have to go to the thepowerofvitalforce.com and, and they'll get some instructions.
0: Fantastic. Oh, I'm excited about that. Okay, yes, I was going to ask you. So whenever this comes out, the book is going to be out. So where are folks going to be able to get this amazingness
1: that you just wrote? Again, they just go to the thepowerofvitalforce.com that's where they would show their receipt that they've ordered the book and indicate that they're coming from self-care podcast. But the book is available on Amazon and um, Barnes and Nobles and, and so on and so forth. Just, just put in the power of vital force. Perfect. Uh, fantastic. So I
0: have to ask you, Rashri, how are you feeling that you, that you finally got this book out into the world?
1: Well, I think it's great because there really isn't a lot out there in a very colloquial, relatable way that explains this, this gift that we're surrounded in and how to tap into it and connect it. So for me, it's, it's kind of like opening up a, a new realm, you know, and really getting a message out that I think is so needed today, given the chaos that we see in the world and sort of the easier way to change what happens in the world and in our own life. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: We're so in our, we're so in our heads and you are teaching us how to get into our deeper mind and our bodies again. And knowing you're helping us Rushree, I believe again, it goes into your title. You're helping us, I think to, in our modern society, take our power back by Mm -hmm. tapping back into our power that was Mm -hmm. always there
1: to begin with. Mm-hmm. agree. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much for all your energy and enthusiasm and the love that I really feel through our connection here today. Thank you. Well, friends, if
0: that does not inspire you to see your energy in a different way and how important self-care truly is in terms of elevating and keeping your energy high and flowing then I don't know what will (laughs) so where can you get all this information Thejournaldeck.com forward slash episode 85 is where you'll find this You'll find the bonus that Roshree was talking about, her 11-session online course that's free when you buy the book. You'll find a link to buy the book. And also, you'll find the discount code for this episode's sponsor, The Ultimate Cuff, for making your Apple Watches beautiful and stylish as you go about your self-care with your Apple Watch. And you can get that discount at theultimatecuff.com using the code Alyssa20, A-L-Y-S-S-A 20, for 20% off your Ultimate Cuff. Again, Alyssa20 at theultimatecuff.com. And last but not least, Google VoiceLine. Don't forget to give me a call. I have a feeling that this is making you think in a way that you've not thought about your self-care because it's that was my experience. So if there's something that you, you you know have a question about or that you're just dying to share with me, tell me. I genuinely loved listening to your guys' um, voicemails. I mean, it literally made my day when I saw a Google voicemail pop through on the app. So again, the number is 412-218-1229. You'll find that number also in the show notes. Give me a call. Tell me all about it give this five-star rating, all of the things. Like, you guys know what to do. You're avid podcast listeners. You know what to do. I so appreciate you being here. I know that there's a lot of things that you could be doing with your spare time. So the fact that you took, you know, well over an hour to be here with me and Rashri today, truly thank you. And I will see you next month here on the Self-Care Spotlight. Bye, guys.